bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchise industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats podcast. Welcome to the Franchise Canada Chats podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Our interviews are with franchisees, franchisors, and industry leaders who give on-the-pulse expert advice and share their franchising insights and experiences. I'm your host, Lauren. This is Season 3, Episode 6. In this episode, I talked to Angela Cote, an international franchise growth catalyst with both franchisor and franchisee experience, who uses their knowledge to help growing companies get their start as they join the franchising community. Having grown up the daughter of M&M Food Market's founder, Angela joined the franchising industry at just 18 years old and has developed an abundance of wisdom in her 25 years in the field. Now, she runs Angela Cote, Inc. as a franchise business coach who guides brands through all stages of franchising. Here, Angela dishes about the top traits of the ideal franchisee, the five rock star questions that franchisees should ask prospective franchisors, spoiler alert, having passion is a key to franchising, how the COVID-19 pandemic has created an increase in collaboration for franchising, and much more. Enjoy the episode. To start, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your origin story as a franchise growth catalyst? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that term before you met me, by the way? Uh, no, I did not. It's fully made up. <laughs> so I guess, well, I should probably give a little bit, bit of my backstory. Um, so if uh, the audience is mostly Canadian, they'll know M&M Meat Shops. And so my dad is the founder of the company. And, and yeah, people always ask me, how the heck did you end up doing something so you know niche as helping franchises and all that? Well, it's because I, I grew up in that world of, of franchising and I was five years old when my dad started the company. And so um, had the benefit of, of you know, going along and just learning kind of without even realizing what I was learning about business growth. You may have heard me in the past talk about having to dress up as Kelly Kebab um, and run around at grand openings and you know, spent a lot of time in the field. In in my early 20s, I was the, the female boss's daughter and I would show up to teach these older male franchisees how to run their business, which, you know, of course, learned a lot um, about what doesn't work. <laughs> um, and so learn, learning a lot about the franchise relationship in that role. And then I became a multi-unit franchisee and I did that for about 18 years on Vancouver Island. And so I had, you know, I was ready for a change and wanted to do something new. And I knew I love sort of teaching and coaching and helping people and uh, just kind of put it in, putting all that together. I actually hired a career coach because I wasn't sure what to do next with my life and just kind of kept coming back to this idea of, of, of consulting in some kind of a way. And, and it really just actually happened sort of organically too, because as I was out in the field or sorry, out in the networking community in, in Victoria in my local community, people would say, wait a minute, did you say your background is with, with M&M meat shops? That's a franchise, right? My friend is trying to franchise their business. Would you mind going and sitting with them for coffee? Um, oh, okay. Like I, you know, I don't know what I know about franchising, but I'll go sit with them for, you know, have coffee and answer their questions. So over time, I just started to realize, oh, I guess I know something that I didn't realize I had learned over the years. So it's, it really started with realizing that I had had this unique background and it's really morphed into quite a, quite a few different things that I do. And, but one of them is helping people in the early stages of franchising, you know, should they franchise their business? And if they do how to do it, um, I talk a lot of people out of franchising because, you know, it's not for everybody not every business, you know, is they need to go that big into it. So um, those are some of the things I do. My passions are really in both getting the right franchisees onto the team and then how to properly support the franchisees for optimizing their profitability. And that comes from 
again, my time in the field where I was trying to figure out like, how do I help these franchisees be more profitable? And, and sometimes it was obvious that they just weren't the right fit and they could never, they were never going to really be able to achieve their goals because they weren't the right fit. So that's, so those are my two biggest areas of passion are like finding the right franchisees, identifying that, and then, and then how to support them. That was a very long answer. I'm sorry. I gave you a lot of information there, but that is the origin of the franchise growth catalyst. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what are some things you wish you know about owning a business back when you first started that you know now? Yeah. Well, so my, just to clarify, you know, my current business, Angela Cote Inc is very entrepreneurial. So it's, um, probably a good thing that I didn't know what I know now, cause I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, twisting and turning and, and course correcting and things, but in terms of uh, my franchise, when I was a franchisee for, for that 18 years, the thing that I think I wish I would have known is, is, and so we, my store, the first one I opened out of the three was store number 300 in the chain. So by that point, we were pretty clear on the company knew, and I knew because I'd been teaching people, how crazy is this? We knew what, you know, the economics of the model should be. And we knew what systems people needed to follow to be successful. And when we opened, my, when I opened my store, my husband and I, we, because we were the first on the island, we actually thought that we were going to be, um, have a harder time with it because it was a, a little bit of a weird market. It didn't look like a typical M&M country, as my dad would call it uh, back then. And so we were not expecting a, a big kind of go out, go in with a bang, but it actually happened the other way around. We were very fortunate. I, I like to pretend it's because we were awesome, but it was actually because the market was ready and because it was a franchise, people knew it. So we did really well in our first our first year. And, and in our first year, I, I was 25 years old and I thought that it would be a good idea to, you know, we had we were we were doing better than we thought. So I thought, let's pay the staff more in wages. This is kind of a good lesson for people, especially franchisees that are listening, uh, new franchisees. You know, we were we were like, well, let's pay them more because then they'll be more loyal to us and they'll, they'll work harder and, and, you know, it'll probably be a good, a good thing to do. And it actually backfired on us. And so this is an example where we didn't listen to the franchisor, if you can believe it, me who had been telling franchisees to let like, but this one thing hadn't quite, I hadn't experienced it until this point. And what happened was by overpaying the staff, they just became complacent and, and sort of entitled and it wasn't the business model. So now I, you know, when I'm working with franchisors, we talk about like, what are the economics of this business? And in, in that situation, we had a percentage that we knew we should spend on labor. And we were like over, we were a few percent over thinking, well, this is probably good because, and the franchisor was like, oh, you got to get that in line. You know, you're, you're overspending. And we kept thinking, well, but it's for a good reason. And then, yeah, it backfired. So when, when you hear a franchisor say, let's make sure that you know, you understand the importance of following systems. It's not just things like wearing the proper uniform or doing proper branding on your social media. It's, it's everything. It's, it's, it's following the economics of the model. It's, it's, if they're telling you to get out into the community and do this or that, do what they're saying and it will work. And we just, yeah, we, we, we wasted a lot of money <laughs> and learned, learned the hard way. So that'd be one thing I think would be that just understanding that the system is there for a reason in a franchise. So what are, what are some of the benefits of being a franchisee? Yeah. So if you find the right franchise, uh, a good franchise, and you do some good vetting, which we'll probably talk about shortly, I'm sure how to do that. Um, but if you find a good franchise and it's a good fit for you, it becomes like a family and it, you, you have this family of 
it's almost like the franchisees are your brothers and sisters. <laughs> and it's kind of like the franchisors, the parents that's really trying to look out for you. You know, they're often this us them relationship gets created. And, you know, it's kind of like our kids think that when we tell them to drink lots of water, when they're, when they're going to have a race day or this or that, that we're just making it up or whatever, but we're doing it for a good reason, or we're looking out for them for good reason. So if you trust that the franchisor is looking out for you, then the benefits are that, you know, you've got this, these opportunities to get support from the franchisor. Again, assuming you pick a good franchisor and do all that vetting, but also you've got these franchisees in the system that you can go to for advice and help. So you can collaborate with them. Um, you know, you get opportunities to, to learn from each other because you're all running the same business, just in different markets. So I think the benefits are really that, that family, that collaboration, that support, of course, the obvious things like, you know, the recognition of a brand, if it's, if it's a more established brand, um, and not having to figure things out, but the family thing is the thing that really stands out as a unique thing about franchising. Okay. And so what kind of things, uh, would make a, an ideal franchisee, what kind of characteristics should they have? Well, I, you maybe uh, heard of my top <laughs> and uh, the DNA of a franchisee. I won't go through all of those because I believe there's even an article in one of the recent CFA uh, magazines. I've also got it on my website or if people are listening to this and they want to know what the 10 traits are, uh, they're more than welcome to reach out to me. It's Angela at AngelaCote.com um, and I'll send it off or they can just go to my website and get it. But um, the, I'll tell you the ones that I think stand out the most that I think maybe get overlooked. Um, and so that would be being really relationship oriented. I, I want to say sales oriented, but that makes people kind of barf in their mouth sometimes. <laughs> Nobody likes that word. So uh, relationship oriented. So someone that likes to think how, like, who can I make a relationship with that's going to help me grow my business? You know, so partnerships in the local community, you know, different business owners, you know, how can I build uh, my, my business in my local community to have that sort of hunger for that. So I guess I will, I'll use the word sales, you know, sales oriented, but in a, in a good way, in a relationship building way, and then being community minded. So if you're a franchisee thinking of becoming or a prospect perspective franchisee, and you're thinking of becoming one, look at your history. Have you ever done anything in your community? Do you have connections already? You know, do you enjoy that? You know, do you get out and go volunteer for things? Do you sit on boards? Um, these are things that one of the biggest, I guess, um, frustrations in a franchise is this confusion about who's responsible for growing the individual business. And, and we'll talk about the roles if you want. We can talk about the different roles of the franchisee and franchisor. But the big reason we use the franchise model is so that we can leverage the boots on the ground in the local community. And even right now during the pandemic, we can't get out and go to networking events quite so easily, but there's still lots of ways you can use your voice, whether that's in Facebook groups, you know, picking up phone, the phone, doing Zoom calls, you know, offering value, whatever way you can to, to your community, there's still lots of ways. So I think having, so the, the sales minded, the community mindedness, I'll give you two more being team oriented. So you have to really, again, I'm giving, getting into a little bit the, of the, how to know this, if you're team oriented, but again, look at your history. Have you ever been on a team? And when you were on that team, did you enjoy it? What position did you play? If you're always rising to the top of the team, that might be an indicator that you might not be happy as a franchisee because you might be too much of a leader and want to, you know, kind of go to your own thing. So just check in on that. Um, and then I guess one more I'll throw in there then is, is being a good leader. Most franchise businesses are 
you know, small businesses with entry-level staff that you're going to be dealing with. And I've seen, you know, somebody be a really good technician in a business become a franchisee, like whether that's, you know, at a wax bar salon or, uh, you know, it could be a, a painting business and they're good at the, the, the role of being a painter or whatever it is. And then you put them in this leadership position and they have no idea what they're doing and they can't get the staff to show up for work and they don't know how to retain staff. They don't even know how to hire and, and let people go. So it, it doesn't mean you have to have that skill having done it before, but dig deep into that, maybe asking your network to help you figure out if you've got leadership skills that you're going to be able to tap into, or can you get those skills? Can you go and get some leadership skills by taking a course or some coaching or something like that? So those are a few of my favorites that I like to, uh, to make sure people think about, but there's, there's 10 overall, and I'm happy to share that resource. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so what can franchisees do to optimize their success? Are there any kind of little known secrets to success that they should know about? Yeah. So, okay. So I think one of the, the smartest things they can do besides the obvious, I already talked about a little bit is like following the system, like the system's there for a reason, especially the more established the franchise company, the more, the more the system is, is proven in the model. But I would say one of the, the, my biggest secrets that I used and I don't see happening enough is to find the top performers in the system and build a relationship with them and find out what they're doing. So when I knew we wanted to grow our business, uh, when I had my three stores, I remember now I had, I had a, obviously an advantage. I called my dad and said, Hey dad, who are the, <laughs> who are the top performers? But you can find that out. The franchisor wants you to do this. So you could easily find out, you know, who are the, or you probably would even know as a franchisee, but if you're just starting out, you know, find out who are the top performers and trust that you can learn something from them. Some people might be like, well, they're, they're in a better market than me, or they're well-established. It must be easy for them, but find out what they did initially to get there, you know, and reach out to them. So find out what they did, get some tips and tricks from them and, and really like, see if you can kind of get them to be a mentor for you, like get them to ask if they, cause it's the thing is the top performers, they understand the value of a, another high performing franchisee in the system. So don't be shy. I think that's something we all should do as business owners, regardless of whether we're in a franchise or not, is, is to find a mentor, find somebody that you look up to that's having success. People that are successful usually want to give back and, and help others. So especially in a franchise, though, there's a big benefit. So that'd be my biggest secret, but I just told it. So <laughs> anymore. Well, it makes sense to, to use those resources that you have access to, right? That you may not think yeah. about. So why not? Right. I just, I can't believe how many people don't bother with that. So, yeah. Okay. So what are the five rock star questions, as you say, that are important yeah. for franchisees to ask when they're first looking into to opportunities? Yeah. Well, first I'll just clarify that <laughs> the reason I came up with this uh, was, was that I, I noticed that like there's sort of some obvious questions like uh, franchisee prospects are usually going to ask, you know, how much can I make? Um, you know, what, what, how much am I going to work? Like what's the investment? How much are the royalties? Like there's some obvious questions. So I thought it would be good to try to think about some less conventional questions that people might not be realizing they should ask to really get in there and vet a franchisor. And, you know, just to clarify, like, you know, there's such a range of emerging to, to a very established franchisor. So obviously you're going to, there's going to be some leeway for the earlier stage ones. And, and if that's the case, know that it's going to be way less figured out. And that can be exciting because that means you can have some 
some say in some things and have some fun with being entrepreneurial, but that's kind of another, actually, we could even talk about that in a minute if you want, kind of whether to go into a established or merging or established um, franchise company. But these are, yeah, so these are some questions. Really, do you have passion for the brand? ask yourself that and, and, or the people behind the brand. So if you don't just get really excited about it, it's going to get old really fast. Um, and, and so then you might think, well, okay, but do I really have a passion for window cleaning? You know, but, but I still want to be, a, I still like the look of this franchise. Well, maybe it's the brand or like say men in kilts window cleaning. Like maybe that gets you fired up to be in a kind of fun brand, or it might be just the founder. It might be that you, you know, you know, that there's a really good founder behind the brand my dad was, you know, so good at putting himself out there and people loved him for, he sold the company. That's why I'm saying it in past tense, but he, you know, people loved, they believed in him and trusted him. And, and to this day, when I run into people that were franchisees or, you know, when he, or are, or were there when he was the, uh, the, the uh, president and CEO, he had a big part to do with why they were there. And so either whether it's passion for the brand itself or the founder, you really believe in it. You have to love it. You can't just kind of go shopping. Like I get so nervous when I see people at trade shows where they're, they're just like, how much can I make? How much can I make? Like it's, you got to love, you got to feel good about it and want to do it. So that's, that's one of the first ones. This is kind of related. I would, I would find out what, what's the company's purpose or what's their why or their mission what are they trying to do? And, and do you align with that? And what are their core values? In advance, you might want to be introspective and figure out what matters to you. What are your core values before you start looking? But make sure that when you find out what their core values are, that you feel aligned. If they don't know them, that's a red flag. So watch out for that. Um, so the, those that's number two. Number three would be looking at the support systems that the franchisor has set up for franchisees. And I would like ask questions like, how, you know, how do we share ideas and input when we have an idea because we we're on the front line and we think something can be done a little different. How do we share that with you? And how does it get heard? Um, how does the company keep everybody in the, uh, in the loop and on the same page? Um, these are within the question of support systems. What strategies does the company use for helping franchisees build their business? What tools and resources do they provide? But also go and ask these questions of the franchisees in the system. So like, hey, when you have a um, concern, do you feel heard? When you have an idea, do you feel like they're listening to you? Do they take you seriously? You know, what? how often are they in communication with you? I always talk about um, the difference between support and coaching. And I look at support as we have a good operations manual. We provide you with some graphics for social media. You've got our number. You can call us when you need us, when you have an emergency or you just need us. You know, that's support. Coaching is we're going to actively offer this opportunity to be there with you on a regular basis, whether that's weekly or biweekly on Zoom or on a phone call or in person if it works that way. But we're going to make sure that we're checking in with you. We're going to check your vitals with you. Make sure everything's going good. Make sure your mindset's still okay and you're still happy. You're still, you know, doing what you want to be doing. Um, but yeah, so look out for that support versus coaching and make sure I would look for something that has both offered. Um, so those are some ways to figure out if the support systems are going to be um, valuable and, and helpful. Um, the fourth one is looking at how many transfers or closures the company's experienced and why. You don't need to automatically assume that a transfer or closure is a bad thing. Sometimes the person's life changed, you know, the franchisee's life changed. Uh, they might've had like a death in the family or they just something changed. But if, you know, why the, find out the why behind it, 
Uh, sometimes the franchisor picked a bad location because they were kind of new at this. Now they figured some things out. So it's not an automatic red flag, but I would, I would look at that and dig into that a little bit, figure that out. And then lastly is the technology in the company. It's shocking some of these bigger franchises, the archaic <laughs> technology they're using or, you know, like point at point of sale systems or communication systems within the company. If they're not up to date and efficient, then that can be a real red flag. And the best way to probably understand whether that, whether they're, you know, is that whether the technology is up to date and creating efficiencies for franchisees is again, to ask franchisees, make sure that it's, you know, simple, easy to use, um, that there's lots of opportunity for communication that's efficient and find out maybe what metrics are being, can be tracked by the technology. If they're not, if a company's not tracking metrics these days, like that's a big red flag. There's so much opportunity for, for learning from both the franchise or franchisee if metrics are tracked. So, so yeah, those would be the five rock star questions for you. <laughs> okay, great. And so bringing back to your, your previous point. So how would you, how do franchisee know whether they wanted to um, go with a, an emerging or a more established brand and what would kind of be the benefits of, of either option? Yeah. So it really comes down to level of kind of entrepreneurialism versus the somebody being really systems oriented. So the more, the more you're looking for it to be figured out the, 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 you know, the, the, for the more established franchise you want to go into um, a quick shout out to Zorical profiles. Hopefully it's okay. If I say this um, there, I, there's other profiles out there, but I'm going to just mention this. It's a profiling tool that's used for uh, prospective franchisees. And within it, there's a section that shows whether a person would do best in an, like a startup franchise, a plug and play and, um, a more established or like maybe a hybrid of established with some new things going on. And if you try to put somebody who's really systems oriented in an entrepreneurial franchise, it's not going to work and vice versa. Um, so if you, if you're somebody that likes to like be creative, take more risk, if you find yourself as more of a risk taker, then look for an emerging franchise. I think it'd be a lot of fun and know that like, there's still going to be some things that you can't change, but you'll have more opportunity for input and, and to get in at that ground level. There's more territories available. So there's a lot of perks, but you have to accept the fact that the franchisor has not figured out a lot of things. I would say, well, from what I see by about 30 units, they're starting to kind of, you know, I, I call them a startup until they get to like 25 or 30 units because they're, they're trying all different markets still, you know, they're often different. Um, if it's a bricks and mortar facility, they're trying different types of, you know, different sites and things uh, in different markets. So yeah, if you, if you really assess kind of whether you're that risk taker and can accept that it, you know, it's not figured out, but if you really feel more comfortable with, you know, I want to know that there's a system here, then go more established. Okay. What are some kind of, uh, just to, what do you have insight into more of the roles of the franchisor and the franchisee and, and what franchisees can expect? Yeah. So that's, I, I really, I think this is such an important thing to talk about. And I think that it, I don't think it gets talked about um, to the extent it should in the recruitment process. I feel like, I feel like uh, what happens is, franchisees get into this franchise company and there's no clarity on the fact that it's the franchisor is not responsible for driving leads to your business, unless that's the model. There's some business models like that, but most of them there, they have some responsibility in that, but 
like I said earlier, the whole reason we use the franchise model is because we can get that local owner with boots on the ground in the local community to make those connections and do the things they have to do to figure out the media and the marketing there. So, so I like to start with that and just clarify that. So the franchisor's role, the three things I like to talk about are to help you get profitable through the support and coaching that they offer. Like I talked about a minute ago. So to support you and ideally coach you to number two is grow the brand. So supporting same store sales growth and adding units and then facilitating, I believe, facilitating collaboration between franchisees, which really helps franchisees optimize their success. So those that's the role of the franchisor. The, the franchisor is not responsible for like getting people to walk into your store or call you for your service. The franchisee role is two, three things, is to believe in and follow the systems. And like I talked about before, it's everything from the brand standards to taking the action they need to take to go grow the business. Like I talked about before, you know, we, we weren't quite following the, the economics of the model and that was on us. Like we couldn't complain. They were trying to tell us that, you know, most franchisors I sort of alluded to earlier, one of their biggest frustrations is they're like, you need to go out and grow the business. And so that's part of the system too. What is the system? Does it mean you have got to go knock on doors or do you, you know, do you got to do a certain number of uh, organic social media posts or, or what is that? So the second thing is, um, or the first thing is following, believing in and following the systems. The second thing is being an ambassador of the brand. So, you know, being happy for the growth of the brand and, and proud of the brand and talking positively about the brand. Like if someone comes in and says, you know, is this a, is this a good opportunity, you know, or, or you know, kind of, yeah, is this a good company? You want to be honest if it's really, if you're really frustrated, but for the most part, we want to be trying to speak positively to help grow the brand. I mean, not, not in, like I said, not in a deceitful way, but we want to just be positive and, and excited about the brand. So being an ambassador. And then thirdly is, as I already kind of said, is, is really thinking about growing their, their own franchise unit in their local market. Um, I often refer to the, our friends, the Baisley brothers at driver's seat, Brian and Luke Baisley, they have a, I don't know if you'd call it a principle or, or a value that a core value of grow, uh, grow, sell or close. And if I understand it correctly, if the franchisee is just stagnant, we're going to come and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, this isn't one of the options. It's either grow or we can help you sell or we can help you close, but there's no being stagnant. So the franchisee, that's that's a role of the franchisee really to grow the their business and to keep on top of that. Okay. So we've talked about kind of the, the support from from support from the, the franchise or one of those other kind of built-in supports with franchising is, you know, other franchisees. So how can franchisees kind of take advantage of that and support each other? And especially maybe in a time like this where they're all in different locations and different things are happening, uh, different ish, different challenges. So, yeah. So how can, are you asking like, how can they support each other? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, um, you know, the idea, as I mentioned before, of like the mentorship, um, I think I really like the idea of the franchisee thinking like a member of a team and thinking like a partner. You know, one thing that can happen is they start to, they're in their own bubble, <laughs> overused word these days, but they're in their own, you know, kind of on their own island and they're doing their own thing. They're looking out for their own agenda. But if we're thinking bigger and thinking like a team, then we will show up for those collaborative opportunities. Like a lot of franchisors provide, you know, 
weekly or monthly Zoom calls where franchisees can get on and, and help each other and like show up for that. You know, let's work together. Let's share what we're learning, uh, share our challenges. There's probably somebody else in the system that, you know, um, has gone through that. So I think taking advantage of the opportunities, maybe even taking some initiative, you could even reach out to your franchisor and say, hey, like, I'd like to facilitate a, a franchisee-led business growth call every month or something like how can we work together let's let's do something to work together uh getting on your franchise advisory council if you have one where you know you're providing input on behalf of the franchisees and if you're doing that making sure that you reach out to the franchisees in your market or region whatever you're kind of representing and ensuring that they know okay there's a franchise advisory council meeting coming up what questions or or input do you have that I can bring for you, like really working together and, and stop thinking of it like you're just in your own little business. So I think really that uh, that collaboration and thinking like a member of a team. Okay. And so what are some of the kind of common uh, mistakes or challenges that you that you see franchisees facing or, or making? Yeah. So I think the biggest one is uh, complacency and, and they start to blame others, whether that's, you know, whether it's the franchisor or it could be the market conditions and, you know, they just start to think that like, you know, I can't do anything about this. And I don't know if you've heard of the uh, Greg Nathan, he's a, a franchise rock star in the, in uh, Australia. And he has a concept called uh, from glee to we, and it's, it's, you can, people could Google this and it's the six stages of a franchise relationship. And it's, it basically kind of starts out the franchisees, everybody's happy. Yay, this is fun. You know, it's like the honeymoon phase. Everything's great. Um, and then it goes through these stages of, and I might have this a little bit in the wrong order, but um, from glee to, um, I think it's to, to fee, where they start to question the fee. And they're like, what am I paying this royalties for? And then they start to go to the me stage where they're like, my success is all because of me. It's not because you're helping me. Like they start to get into this mindset that it, it's them and, and they continue through this. And, and eventually we try to get them to break three, free and come to the we. And that when we work together, we will all be more successful. So I think I see it over and over. And I, I, I think the, the, the best way to prevent it is on both sides to keep open communication. You know, when that complacency hits, it's just like a missed opportunity. And I think people also don't realize that it's okay to move on. You know, I think this would be another mistake, I think, is that franchisees don't necessarily plan their exit. So I would say watch for a time, watch out for the best time to go is when things are on a high before, you know, when everything's good, that's the time to start thinking, is this a time where I should transfer? Should I get, and you can get the support of your franchisor, a good franchisor will help you you know, with what you need to do to, to, to get to that point, but recognizing it before it's too late, that kind of happened to us. I will admit um, that we, we recognized it a little too late. And if we had, you know, recognized it sooner, we would have uh, come out a little stronger because, you know, everybody's human and you might lose interest in what you're doing. And so to plan ahead for that and watch out for that complacency would be the, the thing I'd say people uh, miss on the most as franchisees. Okay. How uh, have you found that uh, COVID has kind of changed the way that franchisees run their businesses? And, and do you think it's going to change things, I guess, how franchising, is going, franchising will look in, in the future? Or do you think, I don't know, it's just your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, overall, yeah. Um, I probably don't have anything extremely unique to say here. because it, It's sort of like, I think it's pretty fact, but, but uh, my perspective would be that 
that um, that there's been an increase in collaboration. And I'm hearing a ton of franchisors say, we always knew we should do this, but we didn't have to. So we didn't. And now we're doing it and the franchisees love it. So the, the level of collaboration has, I would say, has like the has raised the expectation and the value that people are getting from it. I think franchisees are tapping more into the support that they could have been tapping into all along, but just got complacent or whatever. Although I will say that I've seen, like I know everyone probably, this isn't super unique, but a real uh, almost divide between the franchisees that in any business for that matter, independent franchisors even who went whoa, we got to do something like we just got to figure this out versus the ones who said, uh, well, we'll just first go lay on the couch and, uh, and watch Netflix and eat, eat Doritos as one of my franchise or client calls it, <laughs> you know, we're just not going to, we're going to wait, wait this out a little bit until we figure this out, you know? And so the, fr- the franchisees that had the right mindset are doing really well, even, even in the businesses that had to lock down that couldn't really pivot as easily. There's, there's a, a, there's a very clear difference in the mindset of, you know, the ones that said, I got to do something, even those ones that, you know, maybe they couldn't do actually open, keep their business open, but they would, they could maybe go do something to help the community, whether that was virtually or whatever, you know, there's a real difference. So the, the ones that it's interesting because the ones that that didn't sort of step up to the challenge. Now I will say there's sort of an in-between, there was a lot of fear. So the ones with the fear, some of them came around, but the ones that kind of decided not to just, you know, step up to the challenge, a lot of those ones moved on, which is kind of good for the franchise system. So that's been kind of a blessing. Like, well, maybe this is a good time to save face and go find something that, that makes you happier. And for you, for you kind of personally, what have been kind of some of your, your biggest learnings or takeaways from this past few months and what has kind of helped to keep you motivated during this this time of, I guess, adversity? Yeah. Um, I I almost, it's weird. I almost feel bad saying it because, uh, I know there's so many people that have really struggled, but my business has really grown like crazy in this past since March. And I think it's, I, I guess, just having that mindset, right? Like having the right mindset. So when, so I was on the brink of uh, launching something called my Play Bigger Performance Groups for franchisors. And this was going to be like Zoom calls um, that we would do. This was all pre-COVID that I would bring together small cohorts of franchisors. I was running a pilot group starting in early January and I was about to launch this. And I did launch it now. It's been launched and people, if they're curious about it, they can go check out my website. Um, more for franchisors though. Um, but when March 16th, it was like, whoa, <laughs> remember that week? How crazy. Yeah. Remember how we're like, whoa, like what is going on? And I was like, all my clients were like, my franchisor clients were like scrambling to support their franchisees. And I was like, what can I do to help? Like, I, I, I can't, it's not like I'm going to go find new business right now. So I started these weekly roundtables for franchisors. And it's it's a Wednesday weekly one hour call. Now that week I did three of them the first two weeks because I, I I was like I got to do something and I, I so I how can I help? And it I'm not going to pretend it wasn't you know also beneficial for me to have an opportunity to like stay connected to people and and build relationships with prospective clients for myself and and you know support them that way so that maybe eventually would turn into a working relationship. But I also think that it was an opportunity to serve. And I look at people that did that during the pen, the, the early stages of the pandemic and the benefits they've gotten from it. So I think, you know, biggest, not so much a learning, but just, I guess, 
thing that I, I guess confirmed what I thought already is that get in there and do something. I've always had a core value of doing something is better than nothing. And I didn't know how it was going to go. When I look back at the, it's funny because it's grown now it's weekly. And like, I think the last one I had about 24 people on it and it's every week there's a few new people and every week there's a bunch of regulars. And then there's some that kind of come and go and when they can, and, and it's just free and whatever. But like the first couple of like, things had about six, maybe six people and then eight, you know, and I think just having the patience to, to believe in it. And it, it made sense to me. And so I think for people to believe in what they're doing and, and serve and trust that when you serve, it will come back to you and not don't do it for that reason, but trust, trust in the serving. That'd be the biggest thing I think I got from COVID and then, and then just growing the patience muscle too, <laughs> with the people that weren't ready. Like there were a lot of like, one other thing I'll say is I did have uh, a couple clients calling me freaking out. Like, I'm not going to be able to pay you this month. And, and I'm like, you know what? Like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And, but some of them were in such a state of fear that for me, that was a little hard. I had to like find my patience muscle and go, okay, but you're going to still need to deal with this. Like it's not going away. Like, so I'll be here when you need me, but you are going to need to keep going. Like you can't just do the Netflix and couch thing, you know? So having that patience, I think was, was a, a test for sure. All right. And do you have any advice for prospective franchisees? Yeah. So I have a couple things. Um, I would say, so for a prospective franchisee, I'd say get really clear on your traits and your strengths and your skills and like what makes you tick and, and, and what your core values are. And I have a tip that I've told a bunch of people that my career coach that I had hired had me do. And it, it was so valuable for me. And it's a little bit vulnerable. I'm a big believer in getting vulnerable. I think that's when we grow the most. And the tip is to go to five to 10 people in your network. And I recommend this for everybody, actually. I challenge you guys to go do this. Go to like five to 10 people in your network and ask them, what do you see as my top skills or traits or things that have made me successful at the things that I've been successful at in my life. And so gather that information and look for themes. And, and if you keep hearing like, well, you're really creative, you're really entrepreneurial. Okay. That might be a red flag that for you going into a franchise that's very well established, isn't going to work. And maybe you just didn't realize that about yourself. I did this and I, I, I didn't realize, first of all, I didn't realize some of the things people said that, that and I'm like, actually, yeah. And then the other thing is I didn't realize people saw that in me. Like I kind of knew it, but then, oh, people actually see that. Okay. So it was a really fun thing to do. And I'd say fun, but like I said, vulnerable, it was a little weird. Go to five to 10, but don't just go to the comfortable people. Go to a couple of people that are a little bit out of your comfort zone. Like I asked um, my sister-in-law and I asked, you know, a couple of people in my business network, what they saw that I didn't know what, I, I didn't know if I was putting them on the spot. And what I would say is the people that that helped the most were actually the people that I got the most uncomfortable with. Like it was probably the hardest for my husband to answer that question because he just around me all the time. Right. So, so I would really recommend people go in and find out what those, their strengths are, what are their top traits, and then see if those fit with what you're trying to do as a franchisee. Um, if it's an, a, a new franchisee, my biggest tip would be that thing I mentioned earlier about finding a high performer franchisee and, and kind of using them, asking for them to be a bit of a mentor for you. How did they get to the stage they're at and really being clear on your long-term vision and, and goals. And the other thing though, I would, another tip I would give, um, this would be more for a brand new franchisee, but it's good for a prospective franchisee to hear is to think about 
again, that you're coming into this as like a team member and you're going to be, you need to think of this as like, if the company grows, that's good for, for me as a franchisee. And why I say that is there's lots of times where, you know, they go and put another franchise in our market near our, like near our, our current location or something. And it's like, we kind of freak out, oh, we're going to lose revenue and all this. But in the longer term, understand that there's going, the more brand growth, the more exposure, or like the brand awareness, the more that equals more revenue and more um, potential customers for you. The more franchise units that there are, that means more resources in, in head office to support you, you know, the infrastructure to support you. And the more money is going into the brand fund. So the more, you know, brand, brand building can happen on, on a national scale. So I think for a prospective franchisee or a new franchisee, really understanding that brand growth is a good thing and we need to work together to, to grow. Great. And uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I No, I think, I think I've said it all really <laughs> just, you know, get it, like being really clear. Like I think don't, don't ignore your gut. If your gut is telling you that, you know, this, I, oh, I'll get used to that or I'll figure that out later. Well, that might be true. You might be able to figure it out later, but if you're really uncomfortable in that sort of talking to people and building relationships or something like that's not probably going to change. So just being really aware of, of what, you know, what you're good at and then finding the right system and be transparent. Actually, this is one thing. Be transparent in the recruitment process with the franchisor. If you hide something, it could backfire. Like if you, you hide the fact that you don't like the idea of managing people, then they're not going to think to dig into that with you. And you could end up hating being a franchisee because you have to manage people. So be, be clear with yourself and be clear in that process. Don't try to hide anything. It's just not, it's going to backfire. That'll have the best, help you with having the best outcome. Yeah. And, and I guess I'd say thank you to you guys for the amazing work you've, you've been doing, especially, especially during the pandemic. But uh, I'm a huge uh, fan of the CFA. You know, the minute I decided to call myself a franchise growth catalyst, my dad was like, are you a member of the CFA yet? <laughs> He's like, you got to be a member of the CFA. You know, they do so much good work advocating for the franchise model, supporting franchisors and franchisees. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Actually, I know that we're, this is a, an audio recording, but uh, I even have my, oh, nice. my, mug, my mug on my office desk here from the CFA that says, I love franchising. So <laughs> those are a rare find these days. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mine actually has a chip in it. It's from the past president. And I'm like, I'll take it. It was one of the last ones. So yeah, but uh, yeah, big shout out to you guys. And thank you for the work that you guys are doing and that you always have done uh, and thank you very much for your time today and for chatting with us awesome well my uh my outro when i get off my podcast or, or say goodbye is usually go be awesome so i'll say that to you guys <laughs> right. so go be awesome <laughs> thank you thanks for listening for more franchising resources including how-to articles expert advice franchisee success stories and franchise opportunities visit franchisecanada.online you can also learn more about franchising at cfa.ca and can connect with specific franchise opportunities at lookforafranchise.ca.